0: Welcome to the Lifestyle Chase. This podcast features high performers who have found a way to live their best life while balancing their health, wellness, friends, and family. Proudly hosted by me, Chris Little. Without further ado, let's get started. Welcome to episode 26 of the Lifestyle Chase with Jennifer Nielsen. Hi. So how are you doing today?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm good. The The traffic on the white mud got me a little fired up, but I uh, took my own advice from previous podcasts to go deep, deep breath in, big exhale, feeling a little better now.
1: Yeah, That's good.
0: So how's your day today? Tell us, take us through from start to finish.
1: Well, today was a unique situation because my uh, 13 year old car decided to quit last night. (laughs) So I had a little more of an interesting day than I normally would, but yeah, I woke up a little bit earlier than I needed to because I had somebody to drive me to work this morning and she came early and I worked all day long in my marketing job. And I had to stay late because I needed a ride home, and I uh, got home and we had tacos for dinner, and now here we are. Sweet. <laughs> Pretty simple day.
0: So there's been a question that's been on my mind for a while. What does everybody in your family think about your Instagram handle?
1: Uh, I don't think they think anything of it. I think they think that it's very on point with who I am in a personality way. That's, <laughs> that's exactly that's who fair. I am.
0: And is yeah. that how it like came to be?
1: So, interesting story about how my name bitch and Housewife came to be. Um, so I started my blog about seven years ago and I was blogging for a business that I owned and um, it was a mummy blog and there was things I wanted to say that were probably not appropriate for a business blog and so I created my own and it was mostly to bitch about the moms that were being mean to other moms. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, um, and then I got really into like the health, fitness, wellness realm and kind of, and I did a bodybuilding competition about four years ago and it just kind of molded into this, like, is it that I'm bitching about stuff? Is it that I'm awesome and I'm bitching? And depending on the day, it's one or the other.
0: That's awesome. <laughs> Have you found it's gonna helped with, uh, marketing yourself just cause it's such a catchy, like... <clears throat> slogan or name yeah
1: I get a lot of people that message me and they're like I just found you you have the best name I've ever seen and I'm like awesome thanks um but I actually have challenges with it because it has the word bitch in it so for example with Facebook events I have a really hard time uh like boosting events and so on because they don't like the word in there and I every time I have to appeal and explain to them like I'm not calling anybody a bitch it's just my (laughs) name (laughs) yeah yeah
0: well, when I was organizing because I've done a few events at Central Social Hall, and yep. I was talking to Vance, and he, he was saying that your yoga events just take off like wildfire. I try. <laughs> do you think it's what, what do you think leads to that success? Is it your reputation, the Instagram handle or
1: um, you know, I, I'm not entirely sure, except for I work really hard on like my Instagram and my blog to have like a community it's not just like oh here's my followers do as i say listen to what i tell you like i try to actually have it so it's a community we're talking it's a back and forth thing and i think my connection with people over instagram is maybe how what helps and um, because they already kind of know me and instead of being like oh i'm going out to this random event it's oh hey my friend jen from instagram is whole seeing this event let's go check it out
0: i think that's good And a lot of people that have this have some sort of consistency to like what they're putting out to, uh, to their audience. What would you say are your four pillars? Things that are like always consistent when you're, when you're putting out messages or when you're having events?
1: Um, Oh, what are my four pillars? Um, as much as I hate the word, like authenticity, (laughs) being authentic. Um, I, but it is, it's truly the thing that, is most important to me in the sense of um, like expressing authentically how I feel that day so some days I'm really full of energy and and some days I'm having a really rough day and it's about showing either side of that and being quote unquote real in in, in that sense and um, I do that with with events too right? you know when I when I'm at events and I'm meeting people it's let's just be who I am. I don't have to pretend to be somebody famous or pretend to be anything else other than I am. Um, So is that one or two? I'm not sure. I'd count that as two. Two? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Two. um, And then um, definitely uh, because of the industry, I mean, you're in it, the health fitness wellness industry, being very mindful of the words that I choose and the marketing material I choose. Um, In the sense of, I had once had once uh, a teacher at a fitness class I was attending, and she kept saying, uh, "Move that body, shake that booty, put this arm there," uh, you know, and and it was very like impersonal, and it was, oh, you know, jog faster, burn that donut off, and stuff like that. And that's not where I come from in an approach from health and fitness. It's actually about a healthy mindset and a healthy body and a healthy relationship with food in ourselves. So I'm very, very mindful and choosy about the words I use in marketing or online in general.
0: I like that. So those three, what's four? Oh,
1: (laughs) okay. So, um, you know, I'm not entirely sure what would be the fourth one. Having fun. Good. It sounds ridiculous. and so cheesy, but yeah, let's just like, just have fun. Life is like, There's no reason to take it so seriously.
0: Well, sometimes we forget that some people are out there not having fun. That too. Like there's a certain degree of just having these like pre-planned things or you go to a conference and they tell you how to do it and then you just do it that way and that's not fun anymore. Yeah. And that's kind of ties into that authenticity thing, which is a big part of this podcast. It's why I do them in person. Yeah. Because then like you can't fake it. Yeah. If I'm on the phone, like you don't know the face of facial expressions I'm making or anything like that. <laughs>
1: yeah, fair enough.
0: Just makes for a better, more comfortable interview. Yeah. So the next topic, I would like to know the story of how you got into yoga. Like how did that come to be and how did it oh, become what it is? Oh, it's a good
1: story, you're in for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I've I've done yoga for um I gotta do math. 13 years. Um, I come from like a background of Bikram actually, which is a really extreme style of yoga. I did that for years until, um, I actually had my first daughter. I couldn't do extreme yoga like that anymore. Um, so I was always really into yoga and I was in the middle of about to start going into my bodybuilding competition and, um, was looking around. And so I met my teacher at a, like a six week workshop style and I was just like, in awe with how she taught. She was so different from every kind of yoga teacher I'd ever come across. And she swore and like it was, and I was just like, yes, that's, I need to be that. I want to be that. This is how I want to be. And so I had met her and I was really interested and I had a bunch of, we had some money set aside to get a boob job. (laughs) (laughs) And so instead of a boob job, I went to yoga teacher training. Nice, nice. I think it was a good choice personally.
0: I think that worked out. Yeah, yeah. I think that worked out really well
1: for me. (laughs) Yeah. It's
0: quite the story. It
1: is. It's not, it's not, I don't think it's the traditional. I come across a lot of people who are like, yoga changed my life and I want to help change other people's lives and like, no, I just really liked yoga and I met my teacher and I was like, I need to, I need to study under her. I need to learn her things. Yeah. And I had money for a boob job and (laughs) I just was like, wait a second, no, I'm going to use the money for this.
0: It's awesome. And like in a way, you're you're essentially helping a lot more people with yoga, <laughs> yeah. which is great.
1: Yes. <laughs> and, you know, looking back now, like, I mean, if if you were to ask me a year ago, two years ago, three, you know, even probably halfway through my yoga teacher training, if I had the money to do both, if I would do both, and I never would, like I would never get a boob job done now.
0: I think that's important for, for people's values and like priorities in life. Yes. <laughs> So a lot of people that are instructors or trainers or anything like that, they'll have maybe like five people that are fairly influential in their own practice or mm-hmm. just easy people to lean on when they need support. Yeah. Would you be able to list off like five people?
1: So you're like industry people that that I admire or hang out with? Pretty much. Okay. Uh, well, of course, my teacher, Michelle Therrett, she's amazing. And... Um, I've learned a lot from her personally and in yoga and her and I are actually now really good friends and um, I work for her a little bit and um, yeah, she's definitely a huge influence on me. And then one of the teachers she brought in who's from Toronto, uh, Matthew Remski, who taught me to be a meditation teacher and um, definitely him, he has this like ability to, like, change your brain, uh, and, and not in a, a, a way, a negative way, but in the sense of, like, oh, I've never looked at it like that before. And there's a question in our meditation teacher training from like three years ago he asked, and to this day, it still just like boggles my mind. I still think about it. So, he's definitely a huge influence. Um, <clears throat> uh, I'm trying to think, I I, there's some local like, gym owners that I've worked with or for and I've just been around and I greatly admire the way that they are and how they do business and their theories about exercise, which would be Shara from SPPT and Ryan from RVX. And um, I'm huge fans of theirs. And that's four. Yeah. So five? I'm trying to think. Who else? I can't think.
0: Don't overthink it.
1: Yeah, I can't even think. I seriously cannot. We'll stick with four. Four is good. Four, yes, my four inspirations.
0: Those are good ones. I like those. Yes, yeah. So what are three lessons that you've learned from these people? That like your three top lessons and kind of Mm -hmm. describe how they've shaped like things that you've done in your life.
1: Um, you know what? All four of them come from a very, um oddly enough, even from the yoga side of it, all four of them come from a very scientific based background. And I a hundred percent appreciate that, uh, there's that beautiful blend of like science, but also like a, a sense of like inner knowledge and the blend of the two of them and how to navigate that. That's something I never ever in my life, I think would have ever been able to do if I hadn't met. Like, it all started with Michelle. If I hadn't met her and then all of these other people came into my life, I never would have learned that. Um, Other lessons from them. Uh, From Michelle and Matthew, definitely a lot of, like, self-reflection in the sense of, like, um, not, oh, I do this, I always do this in a judgment manner, but a question of, like, just why. So I remember having a conversation with Michelle one time, and she was – talking about another person that she was speaking to. And this person says, okay, well, I want to lose 20 pounds. I want to be a hundred pounds. And she goes, well, why? Oh, well, because I felt, you know, good about myself when I was a hundred pounds. She's like, why? Oh, cause I was confident and so on. And she's like, so is it confidence you want or is it to be a hundred pounds? And just like, she constantly poses the questions of why. And that's like basically everything I do in my life. Why do I do this? Why am I doing that? Is it important to me? And so on. And then my third lesson, um, would be to ask for what I want in my business. All, all four of them very clearly have boundaries, like very good boundaries of, uh, what they want for themselves personally and what they want for themselves in their business. And they have no problem either saying no to people that, aren't involved in that or yes to people just to keep the boundaries
0: totally yeah
1: totally That's totally good. self-reflection and boundaries <laughs>
0: yeah yeah well just kind of like rules or like again i'm using the word pillars a lot but it's just things that keep them strong so yep. that they can last long term which is important
1: yeah exactly
0: so you have family is a pretty big priority it's fairly evident where we're yep. sitting in your kitchen family's walking all over which is great <laughs> yeah What are your, uh, rules for, for keeping that tight? Like every week, what do you do every week?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I figured it out yet. (laughs) Um, no, we have, uh, our, our, our Sundays are like, it is like our official, um, day of rest as cheesy as that maybe sounds. um. We we definitely work six days a week my husband and I we hustle really hard uh, at work and in our business and, and so on and So Sundays is our like we do nothing almost try every weekend to do absolutely nothing and Even though we might one might be on her iPad in this corner or and I might be upstairs watching my show This like that we're together in the house all doing nothing together. There's no expectations of each other and, um, and we all come together, of course, at lunchtime. Every Sunday at lunch, I make bacon and eggs and toast. And it's like our thing. And so we come together at Sundays uh, for Sunday dinner because I'm not always home for dinners. I teach in the evenings. <clears throat> so I think just all four of us have the expectation that that day is the day for the four of us to be together. And that is probably our main pillar for our family.
0: That's important yeah. because like... I'm going to have a very diverse array of audience. Like I'll have young people that don't have a family. I'll have people that are just starting their family. Like Vance Bosch was one of my guests. And so he'll be having twins soon. Yeah, so like saw that. <laughs> it's quite the array of, of people. Yeah. And so some people e- haven't even gotten to that point where they're making that, that standard day, yeah. they're still hustling and they haven't worked that out yet. So it's, even if it seems like it's not like a big thing, it's still a, a pretty yeah. big thing and it's important
1: yeah it's the, the thing about it though is sometimes you have to um, feel a little bit of that burnout in order to like recognize how important it is and then to put it in place because if you just some days are our day and and it might not have as much in depth of a feeling around it but you know if, if somebody's listening to this and they don't have a family I'm like yeah I'm gonna do that and that's great but also like if you get to that point where you're feeling that like little bit of that burnout I think that's a great signifier of being like, oh, that's where my limit, my boundary is. And then you can back off a little bit. I always believe in going a little further than the boundary so that you can define it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good. And like for myself, just my lifestyle, one of my rules is I have this podcast like every week. Yeah. What I found is like while I'm creating uh, content and stuff and that's great, but honestly, like I learned so much from every conversation that I have, mm-hmm. and I'm usually fairly particular about who, who I talk to because, like, I I generally am of the belief that my guests are providing value not only to me but other people, mm-hmm. and if it's, if it's just going to be a dry conversation with no substance or value or anything mm-hmm. like that, then it's just not the same. What's the point? Exactly. Why? <laughs>
1: exactly.
0: Well, that's good, like, asking why over and over, mm-hmm. like... Because then you get to the root of like
1: exactly. the, the
0: source of things. My next question, though, because you've alluded to bodybuilding. Uh-huh. What was that experience like? And if somebody told you today that they were going to do it, what would you say to them? Don't do it!
1: <laughs> I remember reading blog posts when I had decided to bodybuild saying, no, don't do it. And I was like, that'll never happen to me. <laughs> it totally happened to me. Um, yeah, so bodybuilding is really... Ex- is is really extreme some people some people can definitely get away with doing it and it not being extreme um i met one guy backstage i only did the one show and i met the one guy backstage and he literally like never even dieted he just like was eating snickers and like and that's just how he was naturally and that's fine And maybe, I'm not trying to be sexist by any means, but maybe it's not as bad for men as it is for women. The thing about bodybuilding is, before I make it sound completely horrible, (laughs) is I, I did a lot of fun. I learned a lot about myself. I was at the same time I was dieting for bodybuilding, I was actually in my yoga teacher training. And I feel really lucky that that was my situation. It was stressful. Uh, you know 12 hour days in training 12 13 hour days in, in um, yoga teacher training and then working out two to three hours a day And my husband worked out of town and I had two small kids They were one in three at the time like it was really intense but I also was really lucky that I was going through this process of Studying under somebody who was why why yeah, why totally. and and so I came out of it I, I feel like sort of okay mentally Um, but yeah, so I learned a lot about myself. It was really tough. Um, I actually, I did it because I like just the challenge. It wasn't about getting in the best shape of my life. Honestly, I was actually in great shape beforehand. Um, but I came out of it hating my body. So I went in totally fine with the way I looked. I did it just for the challenge because that's who I am. I've run half marathons and Spartan races, and it's just who I am. I like the challenge. And I came out of it disordered eating. I came out of it with my hormones being messed up. I have issues even still four years later hormonally from it. And... um, Yeah, and it took me probably at least two years post-competition to really come and be comfortable with food and my body and who I am again. And it's really sad that I went from a place of like loving my body to competing to then hating my body. Like I remember two weeks before competing, sitting on the floor like crying on the phone to my best friend, my sister, my husband, going like who do I think I am going to be on the stage with these 19-year-olds? I'm too fat to do this. I can show you pictures. I but like I had, like, the six-pack abs, and I was like, I'm too fat to do this. Like, what is that? That is yeah. ridiculous. So, um, yeah, so I, of course, say I don't think anybody should ever do it. But the type of people who do bodybuilding competitions are the type of people to be like, I'll prove you wrong. So, yeah. I would if you're gonna do it, I just say caution to having a good coach for one thing, having good relationships because you, you'll need to lean on them. And then the other part of it is the reversing out of it. Whether it's the reverse dieting, the reverse mindset of it, there's a lot of stuff that happens post-show that nobody even thinks about.
0: I agree. Like there there's so much more to the actor, the art of bodybuilding than just like preparing for stage and stuff mm-hmm. and a lot of it is just tied around genetics yeah like i know right away like i i have good genetics but maybe not good genetics for bodybuilding yeah and so like to, to put myself through all that i already know it's not not worth it and like to preface that, I've never had any interest whatsoever in bodybuilding, not even like the tiniest inkling. Yeah. Just in case anybody's like, "Oh, Chris was thinking about?" It. No, no, Chris was not thinking about it. <laughs> but
1: yeah. it's
0: just for me having fitness as a giant part of of my day to day, and wanting people to find ways to be more healthy and more happy. Mm-hmm. I want it to be something that's sustainable long term, and mm-hmm. I just I hate to see. If somebody has something, they're getting a routine, they're fit, but then it just train rack kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it's good to kind of cover that because I don't, usually I kind of go over like lifestyle stuff and mm-hmm. like I've never really talked about bodybuilding on this podcast before. Oh
1: really? Yeah. yeah. I could probably talk your ear off. About it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's uh it's very extreme. There was a girl who had an ambulance called on her backstage. So some coaches believe in dehydrating. Mine didn't, thankfully. Um, but some believe in dehydrating and depending on, I was in the bikini um, section so it's more about looking good in a bikini Um, and this uh, woman was in the um, I can't remember what the next category is but it's more about seeing the muscles and the symmetry of the muscles and uh, that was the category she was in and she like passed out, she couldn't walk she couldn't speak because she was so dehydrated and depleted of food and I'm like that is crazy like that's does that not just like seem insane to the rest of us that
0: and it's it's ridiculous (laughs) but it's so common and this is me like an outsider that barely follows it but watched one ronnie coleman documentary on netflix (laughs) and he got dehydrated and passed out yeah so that's that's how you know when it's common when like some of the leaders in in the craft are doing it too and
1: Yeah, so like little insider information, I won't even say who, but um, so somebody who competed then the same show that I was in uh, was, um, we had a a mutual connection somehow, I'm going to just say that, (laughs) we had a mutual connection somehow, and um, yeah, she in her off season took steroids, and when she was dieting took ephedra to diet down. And I, you know, and I, and I, I never even took pre-workouts. Like I, I'm really lucky in the way that I was dieted down, and I even destroyed my mentality and my body and my relationship with food and my body because of it. I could not imagine these people doing these extreme measures of taking, you know, like steroids in the off-season and dangerous drugs like ephedra in during dieting season. Like that's not sustainable at all. And the second they come off of that cycle. I can't even imagine what's going to happen to them in their lives. Like, I had gallstones after dieting for three months. I, I just can't even imagine. It's crazy. Sorry, I'm being judgy now. <laughs> all good, all good. We're, we're You probably have bodybuilding listeners. <laughs> I actually, of
0: all the podcasts in Edmonton, probably have the very least bodybuilding listeners. Oh, really? Listeners. <laughs> okay. They 100% guarantee it. <laughs> Just a, a lot of very friendly, mindful people who uh, like their family and their values.
1: Yeah, cool. All right. That's so me.
0: We're, we're safe. We're safe. Cool. My next just thing. Just have all
1: these like angry like emails and DMs after. I bodybuild and I'm just fine. I
0: guarantee you, you'll probably have more nice friendliness. Hopefully. So you've talked about all these different fitness challenges you've done. I want to know what was the toughest one? What was the thing that challenged you the most mentally and physically outside of bodybuilding?
1: Outside of bodybuilding. Um, I, probably the half marathon. Um, I actually raced it seven weeks pregnant with my second. (laughs) Well, (laughs) so I had trained all summer. And there was no flipping way that I wasn't going to run because I trained all summer. And when you become pregnant, you can continue regimes as long as you did them pre-pregnancy. And, um, and yeah, so I just remember the morning that I actually found out I was pregnant with my second and I was scheduled to go for a seven mile run. Sorry. I speak in miles, not kilometers. And, (laughs) and I was scheduled to go for a seven mile run and, I took my test and then threw up. And then I was like, okay, well, we're going to run anyways. And I just... (laughs) Yeah, so that one I would say was the toughest because I knew I could push myself further. But mentally, I knew that I I couldn't. I I couldn't because now I was pregnant. I had to consider that. So for me, because I am... I'm definitely uh, higher endurance, I guess you could say. Uh, in Ayurveda, they call us pittas, I don't know if you study Ayurveda at all, but we can have a whole other conversation about that later. Um, so yeah, I'm, and uh, so I knew that I could push myself, I knew I could push myself physically and mentally, but having to actually back off, especially because I worked all summer to get there. That one was probably really tough for me. And then I had to pee like every like kilometer or two. Like it was awful. Yeah. That is
0: wild. <laughs> yeah. What, what enticed you to want to run such a long distance in the first place? What, what was your motivator?
1: You know what? People ask me that all the time. Why do you want to do Spartans? Why do you want to run? Why do you want to bodybuild? I have no idea. It's literally I just, I'm like, that seems like a good idea. That's going to be a cool challenge. Let's just try it. Like the worst thing that's going to happen is I fail or I don't finish. And and then what? Who cares?
0: That's good attitude. <laughs> well, because there's so much talk on failure and how it needs to be reframed. Like it's not mm. like the end. Yeah. That's just part of succeeding.
1: It's part of life. Like the more yeah.
0: failures you have, the more progress you make in life. Yeah. So... Well, what's your second second biggest obstacle? Because you got some good stories. We're digging. We're digging. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, okay. So biggest obstacle, are we talking still physically? <laughs> like in a... It can be a- mental too. Like- oh, yeah. I could break you down all kinds of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, of course, like birth is phew, crazy. Yeah. Um, you know if if you if, yeah if you want to dig deep well i'll go deep with you uh two, two years ago i had surgery i have endometriosis and i had a surgery and they removed some growth and they removed um, tubes and so on and um so shortly after there was a lot of changes that went on in our household and so on top of that and the surgery which mentally was kind of a lot because now my ability to have children was taken away. Um, and then also like hormonal changes because of it. And then stuff going on personally in my life. I went into like two years ago, like serious depression. If you go back in my Instagram, you can see it. You can see all of my pictures of being like, I'm not okay today. And, and um, yeah, I read that and I have this journal actually. <clears throat> And I've talked to you about this before, so it's okay. I have this journal um, when I meditate and I write down, and in the thick of this, like depression, it was probably about four months in now. In the journal, it's something along the lines of like, I'm standing in a dark room, there's no windows, there's no doors, I can't see, Um, you know, there's, there's no help, there's no people, there's no light. And then like a week later, my post is like, I'm still in this dark room, but I have to have faith that there's light. And then, you know, two weeks later, it's like, oh, there's like a crack in the door. And, you know going that so far deep and i've never really suffered with depression in my life a little bit of postpartum maybe before but nothing that dark and deep and then sort of being able to pull myself out of it there was lots of times where i was like okay do i need like antidepressants don't you know back and forth lots not that i'm against them but you know let's try this let's try this i'm a yoga teacher i should be able to get myself out of this i am a meditator i should be able to work myself out of this and And then just trying to slowly come back out. And that is definitely the hardest thing in my life I've ever done.
0: And I think that's so important to talk about. Because, like, people are going to face these struggles. Mm -hmm. And very few times are they talked about, like, honestly. Yeah. It's usually, like, I released a, a mental health special on the lifestyle chase. And that was episode 25. Yeah. And it's funny because so many people... Well, it's not funny, but it's just a fact. Like, so many people think of mental health as being something really important Mm -hmm. and it's actually something that's used as like a buzzword for marketing like oh I think mental health is important so Mm -hmm. but for for myself because I have a lot of personal reasons to really prioritize it but it's just when you put that topic on the table everybody runs away Mm -hmm. like it's something that people steer away from because sad sad is scary kind of Mm -hmm. thing but Without talking about the sad, we, we are unable to empower other people to overcome their sad. Yeah. Because it's like life is just up, down, up, mm-hmm. down. And sometimes down is really far down. Sometimes mm-hmm. up is really far up. And just knowing that it's going to be that way no matter what is yeah. important.
1: I think that was a part of the huge struggle for me was the like, why am I so far down here? I was so high up what happened you know and because I maybe it's an age thing maybe it's just a life thing but it was like I, I felt like I was at this like peak of my life like three and a half years ago like everything in my life was amazing and then a cascading set of events kind of happen and you never think it's going to happen you think like once you achieve this like great peak that for some reason we believe, we're going to be able to maintain this high achievement and we're never going to fall down. And I think that was actually the biggest struggle for me is being at the bottom being like, "Holy shit, how did I even get here?" And then but once you recognize that you're there instead of instead of trying to be like, "I'm not here. I'm not that bad. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine." Then you're like actually prolonging the pain. As soon as you actually like recognize like, "Holy, I am sitting in shit right now." Then you can go, okay, well, let's start to make ourselves out, like work our way out, work our way out. Yeah.
0: So you have like this broad array of life experience, (laughs) things that have happened, (laughs) things that you've been through, things that you've tried. Mm -hmm. At this point, you probably have like a toolbox full of things that you know when you're at a low, low, this is what you're taking out of the toolbox, this is what you know that works. What are like the four top things?
1: Uh, One of the very first things I do is begin to... um, edit my my calendar the first thing is and and I never have done that before in my life I've always been I committed to somebody I'm gonna be there I'm gonna make that appointment no matter how bloody miserable I am I'm gonna be there and I have a lot of I had a lot of guilt around editing my schedule um, at first but that is my first thing because I am an empathic, introvert or extroverted introvert, I get like really like caught up in sucking, you know, the energy or people sucking the energy out of me. So that was like my very first thing I realized is that I have huge boundaries to be around people. Um, I've even noticed that I probably don't even book things as much anymore because I know I'm going to get to that point where I'm like, burnout, burnout, burn out, just a, just a retreat from all of the people. So, um, yeah, boundaries around the people that I'm with. I'm quite selective in the people that I spend my time with, especially because I have a family that I would rather spend my time with. Um, meditation is a huge thing for me. I can go a couple of weeks without meditating and I'm fine. But The second I start to find myself in that slump or whatever, I go right back into it. That was probably the thing that helped me the most out of my dark spiral. Is the like, okay, we're gonna sit, we're just gonna see what happens today. And then, so we want four pillars, is that what we're asking you yep, for? Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> My four tools. Yeah. Um, so boundaries with people, meditation for sure, exercise is a huge one for me. I need I'm a very physical person, so the physical release is a massive stress relief for me. And um hmm just so my baths oh my gosh I need my bath that's part of my Sunday ritual is Sunday mornings I have a bath and that is like like I've even expressed to my husband by the way people you need to do this like ask for support if you need it is I would get have a bath and get frustrated my kids banging on the door so one day I was just like I need this hour I need you to make sure they are not banging on the door and now it's just like oh mom's in her bath leave mom alone and I hang out in there and it's like almost meditative, almost physical, you know, there's just a lot going on and that's like, if I feel overwhelmed, that's exactly where I go. Nice. Yeah.
0: Do you have like sort of a routine for a bath? Like I know for myself, like if I, if I feel stressed, I'm not going to lie, I'll like draw an Epsom salt bath, Mm -hmm. chuck some lavender in there. I'm a man, but I can admit that like proud of that
1: good for you <laughs> yeah good for you <laughs>
0: thank you thank yeah you. yeah what, what's your routine with? um
1: yeah so i do the epsom salts and bubble bath and i actually our bathroom upstairs sold our house it's i'm so lucky to have a nice big beautiful bathtub and um so if it's during the day like my morning sunday bath yeah i have i it's i spend all the time as it's filling up I get my glass of water, I have my coffee, I grab my book, sometimes I'm a huge hippie and I grab crystals, and uh, and I have a face mask I do every Sunday, and I grab all of that, get myself, okay, mom's going, close the door, and like just sit down. Um, but in the evening, if it's like evening, I'm 100% one of those people with like a million candles everywhere, you know, the little tea light candles, they're just everywhere. But yeah, it's like a whole production. I have to get my book and my salts and my baths, this and that. And yeah, (laughs) my face cloth, my mask. It's
0: important to discuss because like there's people that are going to listen to this. It's probably going to be a lot of people who over or like go through some kind of stress in their life. And they'll stumble across this podcast just randomly.
1: Yeah.
0: And they'll be actually that was really helpful because like. Somebody says, you know, just relax, have a bath, mm. and they do like draw some hot hot water, plunk themselves in there, like, yeah, this isn't working. <laughs> it has to be a production. Yeah. Like even if it's like some some manly kind of half-assed way of doing it, like myself, yeah. that's my production. Yeah. But like somebody needs to have this thing that that they do to make themselves feel important mm-hmm. and kind of helped, supported.
1: Yeah, the the ritual is really important. It's the like because the ritual is the setup for the activity that you're performing, right? It's the ritual is or the yeah, the setup and ritual is as important as the thing you are doing, and I don't want to make it be this daunting task or oh my gosh, I have to do all of this just to have a bath. That's not what it is. It's everybody finds their own ritual. And in yoga, we talk a lot about practice. We call it a yoga practice because you have to practice something in order to get good at it. And so I had practiced my ritual until the point where I'm like, oh. Because as soon as I turn the water on and I put the bath salts in and I grab the first item to put on my little bath caddy, that's the beginning of the ritual. That's like something just switches in my brain and goes, oh, here we are, okay. Because the first time yeah I had a bath, it was like I'm sitting in a tub of hot water, sweet. But it's the practice and the ritual of it that's turned it into something for me. I same, like that. Same thing with meditation and yoga and so on.
0: So now we're going to be on the topic of meditation because mm-hmm. I want to know the origin story of that.
1: Of how I became a meditation teacher, yeah. or
0: <laughs> like what what got you into like meditation in the first place?
1: Yeah. Well, I think yoga and meditation go quite hand in hand with yeah. each other. Um, and I was, I was kind of dabbling with it because I had taken my yoga teacher training. I didn't really meditate before. I tried a little bit. And um, so yeah, I would just kind of like YouTube videos. I'd come down early in the morning, sit on the couch, and listen to like a 10-minute YouTube meditation video. And, uh, and then so I was, I don't know, a year or two into my being a yoga teacher. And Michelle had brought in Matthew Remsky for a four day meditation teacher training weekend. And I was like, yeah, I'm so into that. And I totally took it and it just like, he just like blew my mind and I was like, oh, okay. And even, and it just became one of these things. And then the studying with Michelle of the effects on relaxing the body or connecting to the parasympathetic nervous system and how it helps in the management of stress. So knowing that when I was going through my like really dark, deep stuff um, was when it really became a practice for me because I was like, oh, if I do this, it will help me uh, relax my body, turn off that fight or flight and turn on the rest and digest cycle. And it and just kind of evolved from there. Like it was, I meditate the most when I'm going through stuff, but I try to when I'm not, because the thing about meditation and yoga, we we always prescribe, oh, do yoga, do meditation, help reduce stress or, um, or what else do we tell? (laughs) We tell people all kinds of shit. We'll cure all of your stuff with yoga and meditation. And the thing about it is, is yoga is not going to fix your stress. But the practice and the practice and the practice and the practice and the practice like we just talked about over and over and over again eventually starts to translate to the outside of the yoga room life. And then you start going, oh, yeah, when I, you know, when I'm in yoga class and I get really mad, this is what happens to my body, that self-awareness starts to creep in. And then so then you're in the outside world and you're like really really mad and you go oh right that's what mad feels like what do i do when i'm mad what helps me when i feel mad and they just sort of kind of blend together and meditation does the same thing it's i think it's like a preemptive measure does that make sense like i it, i meditate now so that when i'm going through shit, <laughs> i have it there i'm like oh right here's home yeah yeah
0: that's good that's important do you have a daily routine for meditation
1: Not right now, so I just kind of took my job. I was a full blown entrepreneur, stay at home mom, work, whatever for the last like eight years. And then in November I took a job. And so I'm still trying to figure out that kind of routine in life for me. But generally I actually, uh, I wake up really, I wake up at 5.15 in the morning and I go and work out. And after I work out, I do some stretching or some yoga and then I sit like in the middle of the gym. I swear people think I'm insane. It's like crazy ladies sitting off in the corner in the <laughs> middle of the gym. But that's where, where I go because I need the physical release first. That's 100% who I am. So I work out, yoga or stretch a little bit and then I just sit and I meditate and I just like put in my earbuds, put on some like soothing music and off I go. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: I'd say that's a routine. Yeah. Like every routine looks different, but some form of like consistency mm-hmm. kind of helps us to build our, our, like our foundation. Yeah. And then go up from there. Yeah. Because without a strong foundation, when we fall, we fall hard.
1: Well, and that's it is, I mean, I find a lot of people are in their like pile of shit, like at the, the, the bottom of it. And that's when they reach for yoga and meditation and that's going to help that that's going to frustrate you It's the like when you're not at your lowest low that You learn the skills and then when you are at the lowest low you use them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so important and the funny thing is like with my own training and with clients some of the most groundbreaking cues that I give them Mm -hmm. is just to breathe Mm -hmm. like oftentimes it'll be like a session that's like 6 p.m. or something yeah and i'm intuitive enough to know they just had a long day of work like they're gonna be pretty high strung Mm -hmm. a lot of them like i have one client that owns his i.t company Mm. so he's dealing with like big big contracts and like lawyers and all this stuff yeah and the simple act of just teaching them how to sort of calm their essential nervous system is, is really really valuable Mm -hmm. because the the quality of that training session just went up like two notches from like a six out of ten to an eight out of ten
1: yeah great
0: and it's it's just funny because it doesn't take much like i don't have to be an expert i just have to be like now breathe in (laughs) and out (sighs) and this is like the second (laughs) podcast episode where i've been like and this is how we breathe But it's yeah. just, it. it's funny how like these simple habits, they don't have to be like super fancy, just breathe. Yeah. But do it properly, not just like partial or anything like that, yeah. feel the oxygen really fill up the torso. And so sometimes people are like, well, I, I don't really have a routine. And then I listen to what they do and I'm like, no, no, you have a routine. Yeah. You just have not like called it a yeah. routine. Yeah. So, next topic, because Mm -hmm. I have a feeling that you have some things to say about it, is travel. (laughs) Travel. Okay. What's the coolest place you've been to ever?
1: Um, I haven't been a lot of places, but when I was 15, I was an exchange student in France. And that was probably the coolest experience of my life, being on the other side of the world without my parents, for one thing. And, um... I didn't really speak any French, (laughs) Um, and so I was going to school there for, you know, when I was there, when we'd walk, and completely seeing another culture, um, not just in the sense of, like, visiting. So, I mean, I've been to Cuba, and I've experienced Cuban culture, for example, um, but that's from a tourist advantage, Um, and when I was an exchange student in France, like, I was at the dinner table with them and I was 15 drinking wine at dinner. It was totally cool. (laughs) Um, But like, I actually got to like be in the culture, not as a, as a tourist, but as like somebody who actually lives there. And that was totally the coolest travel experience ever.
0: And I honestly think that travel is so valuable just in, in the general premise that this is, Putting us out of our, our normal routine where we expect or we know what to expect and it doesn't even have to be that far away yeah like i've gone to a hostel in like jasper and that mm. felt like traveling far away <laughs> you're, you're with a ton of people who are coming from europe like you're going to be out of your comfort zone you might mm-hmm. not be able to speak the same language as a lot of people in there although they will speak perfect english yeah it's just when you're kind of like getting ready for bed you're going to feel a way different atmosphere the normal. And it yeah. kind of forces you to learn more about what makes you who you are
1: mm-hmm. to
0: sort of reframe different situations and then get back to your normal routine fresh. Yeah. So one project that I've been trying with my parents and my parents listen to this is I've been trying to get them to go to a yoga class and they're like, why, why a yoga class? And it's because it's to get them out of their, their comfort zone to Mm -hmm. like change up their routine altogether and just throw them into the fire essentially. Yeah. Because I think sometimes people just get used to like their, their status quo. Like we know on this day we do this and Mm -hmm. we're going to go drive and take pictures of birds. And it's really great that they take pictures of birds Yeah. because they take good pictures and it gives them (laughs) their, their quiet time. Yeah. But if you were like a yoga salesperson and you had to convince my parents that they had to go to a yoga class, what are the three things that you'd say that you think would seal the deal?
1: Well, I, uh, even though I'm in marketing, I'm awful at sales. (laughs) But They, uh, I mean, it would depend on what they're into and what they like, but let's just assume I'm generalizing, um, people. Um, do they work out? Can I can I get that context? <laughs> so,
0: as far as gym goes, they've been to a swimming pool. Yeah. And they are like they live on an acreage, mm-hmm. rural community. They're mm-hmm. gonna be way way out of their comfort zone. Yeah. Never done any group fitness. Yeah. Nothing like that. And I want to send them to like a boutique yoga studio. Yeah. Because it's like the far farthest from their comfort zone that yeah. I can think of.
1: Yeah, I'm. I probably wouldn't send them to their farthest from their comfort zone.
0: That's, fair. That's
1: uh, fair. You know, like there's, there's sometimes, yeah, sometimes a little too far can can break it for people. Um, but I would, I would tell them that it's not what they think it's going to be. I think um, a lot of people have an idea of, oming and chanting and. Um, spirituality and there are classes like that yeah but um especially in the western world especially in the Edmonton community there's a lot of like really just down-to-earth yoga teachers and it's they're probably going to feel a little more welcome than they think they are Um, and so that that's definitely one thing um the other thing is that Uh, know that the only people that have expectations of them are really themselves. Everybody is way, way, way too self-conscious on their own bloody mat to worry about what the heck you are doing. Seriously, that is 100% the truth. And uh, maybe the third thing that puts everybody at ease is um, I promise I never notice if people's toenails aren't painted or their legs aren't shaved or they forgot their deodorant today. I swear, I never notice. I have taught over twenty five hundred hours of yoga, and I have not once noticed if somebody forgot to shave their legs or paint their toenails.
0: Those are like legit <laughs> things to say because, like, sometimes people worry about that. Yeah. Half the time, like, I go to a yoga class, and I can speak to how like reproachable most instructors are. Mm-hmm. Like, because I'll maybe go to like one every. Th- three months or something. I'm not like a normal yogi, but I can like walk into a studio and feel fairly, fairly content or yeah. confident. But uh, usually that's when I need to like trim my toenails like the most. <laughs> I've never been called out for it. So, so even if good. we
1: did notice, nobody would even say yeah, anything. Like, what are you that's do? The...
0: like bring me the nail clip. Yeah, what would you, would have,
1: exactly. <laughs> what would I say? Um, you should shave your legs. Yeah. Like that's never going to happen. Yeah. And, uh, (laughs) yeah, it's totally, like, I think the whole point of actually that exact point is that everybody is so self-conscious about being in yoga for whatever reason. I'm not entirely sure, but some people it's, I'm not bendy. Well, maybe that's why you're going to yoga. Uh, My legs aren't shaven. I promise you, I don't even notice. Or, um, you know, I can't do these crazy postures. That's cool because the person that can... Knows that one point in her life she couldn't either, and she yeah. needs to learn them. Yeah. and and really, everybody is far too self-conscious on their own mat to even like worry about what you're doing.
0: Well, even if they're they're not self-conscious, sometimes they're totally just uh, self-aware. Yeah. Well, like everybody has their their starting point. For myself, I can totally understand anybody who goes into a group fitness class because. Everything that I've gone to for the first time, I've been incredibly awkward. Like super, super awkward. Yeah. Um, I've like walked into people because I've been like nervous and just like walked directly into people. Yeah. I've fallen asleep in countless yoga classes, but that's oh, a God. common thing. Yeah, like, it's very common. A lot of people do that.
1: Lots. Lots.
0: I've gone to I think every like different fitness thing under the sun in the city just yeah. with my my involvement with yegg fitness and stuff but like i've been like the only dude to bar classes i've been one of the only dude to uh the bounce or the the classes mm-hmm. with the trampoline and so what that has done for me is just given me so much so much understanding of that i could just kind of go into anything and it'll be fine yeah like, granted i will not be the best at it mm-hmm. but it'll be fine yeah and i'll learn more about what what is important to me and what i need and that's all i care and now like for myself one of my my things that i'm fairly involved with is just spin and spin classes and i know a lot of the instructors in town and so i'm very comfortable in that setting but Mm -hmm. at one point i was not Mm -hmm. however when i see a new person i totally get it like Mm -hmm. They they walk in there and they might be a little nervous. I'm like, you yeah, have no reason to be nervous, like not yeah. not the slightest yeah. reason. Yeah. And I just, I guess what I what I think is because my mom always asks me. She's like, why should I go to a studio and not just do the lessons on TV? Mm-hmm. Because they do that much. Because I went to Lululemon and I got her a nice mat because I wanted to kind of like build in that that reason to practice. Yeah. And they definitely do. Yeah. But I just, I, I want to encourage them to sort of get an idea of what they want for their life. Cause they're, they're retired. They're kind of mm-hmm. like finding their niche, finding things that are important, finding priorities. Yeah. Cause as, as things go on, you can, you can put your time into a lot of things that no longer serve you, or you can put your times into thing or time into things that aren't like your passion Yeah. So I think it's just important that no matter what age we are, we continue Mm -hmm. to know like what's, what's important for us. Yeah. So it's not so much like bullying my parents. It's just (laughs) kind of like, I've learned so much from fitness Yeah. and I'm like, this this is important. And if if they can learn it, that's awesome because my parents are important to me just as many people's are to them kind of thing. Yeah. And on that topic, because I like to generally ask, what are three lessons that you learned from your parents?
1: Oh, that is a, uh, that's a deep question. Um, definitely from my mom, uh, like the resilience factor. My mom had four kids. Uh, my parents divorced when I was five. So she would have had a seven, five, three and one year old I'm one of four kids. And, um, my mom has taught me like, no matter what you just, keep swimming kind of thing like it's you just keep going if if life has thrown this crappy thing at you it's crappy sure but you just keep going and um that's like who she is and that is probably like my most pride thing about myself that I 100% got from her is like no matter what just keep going just keep going just keep going and um so that and then on top of that like all of these lessons are probably going to be from my mother. <laughs> um, my mom, with that, like, just keep pushing, just get her done, do whatever you got to do to survive. Um, also, taking that, but then the other side of it, that like softness, that like you can be extreme, you can do whatever you need to do, but at the end of the day, like finding that like that soft spot, that hug, that love, that affection, and um, being able to have the duality of it is amazing. Um, and, you know, from both of my parents, 100% work ethic. Both of them are like, you do not show up half-assed for anything. Like, if you are saying you're going to do something, you're going to do it and you're going to do it correctly the first time. And definitely from both of them. <laughs> That's
0: awesome. Yeah. Those are good ones. Yeah. And then the next quick one is you, you talk about endometriosis Mm -hmm. and I've seen just in your, in your social media and stuff, like there's some like tough days. Like what, what's it like? Like what, what is a tough day with that? Like,
1: yeah. So, um, so just for anybody who's listening, wants to know what endometriosis is brief, really brief explanation is the cells that are typically on the inside of a uterus grow outside. So in women, we're in monthly, we're like shedding the lining of our uterus and it leaves our body. In endometriosis, because it's inside my stomach, it doesn't get to go anywhere. So it just builds and builds and builds and builds and, and develops like masses basically. And uh, so it's it's a lot, of, it's very painful um, And and most of the time, it can be brought down to just a few days a month where it's quite painful. And it feels a lot like, to me, like like razor blades inside of my stomach. Like, just like hundreds of them like slashing at the inside of my stomach. And I'm sorry, that's so graphic. (laughs) But um, yeah, and so I have come to the point where I can realize what's triggering it there's diet and exercise are a huge involvement in endometriosis and how it affects us but for me particular it's stress so i can you know i've i've boiled myself down to two to three days at about a level like eight nine pain two to three days and, you know in like the five to seven range and pain, in, in pain and the rest of the time i'm generally fine um but when i go up in days like that or the pain is really high I can actually correlate it to um, stress. I'll be like, oh, I'm going through a lot of stress right now. Great. I'm super like in tons of pain. And um, yeah, so living with it kind of, it, it sucks a lot. But at the same time, that teaches, that's one of my like signifiers. That's like my one of my like, oh, oh, wait, I didn't even notice that I was stressed. But clearly I am because this is my, my body's reaction. So to have Instead of thinking about it just being this like horrible thing that's happened to me or that I have, I actually am like, oh great, this is my like cue that I need to slow down or I need to stop something or I've gone past my boundary somewhere and it's my like cue to like rear myself back in. So I don't know if that completely answered your question, but I it takes me a lot to modify my life because again, like I said, I'm one of those people who I know I can push really hard physically, mentally. But then I have to use my, you know, that knowledge to back myself off a little bit. And so, in exercise, for example, um, I know that I can run and run and run and run and run. But I know it hurts my back. It hurt, It causes pressure on my low back um, because of the endometriosis. So I have to find another activity. Or I was doing spin for a while. I was like, spin will work. But now that also is horrible for my body and endometriosis. So. I just find other ways to do things.
0: Totally. And it's important to like kinda talk about these things in this way. Mm-hmm. Because like I, I interviewed Patricia Jehufka mm-hmm. for one of the episodes. I love her. And just the way that she frames MS, like the, mm-hmm. the opportunities that wouldn't have happened if not mm-hmm. for MS and Exactly. The friendships and all these things because what what can you possibly do? Like you've you've had something diagnosed for you, you can't really change it. but you have things to do with life. And so how are you going to make the most of that? Yeah. And I, I sort of look at this podcast as something that, Hey, like for once we're actually just going to talk about what, what people are going to do with life when life happens to them, Mm -hmm. because it happens to everybody. Yeah. There's like this long list of things that can happen. (laughs) Yeah. Like as, as much as I enjoy the episodes, like with, with Vance, where we're talking about how he's having twins, Mm -hmm. that's exciting. But then there's episodes where like people have bad things happen, Mm -hmm. but they also need to be talked about. Yep. And somebody's going to hear it and they're going to be like, you know, I never honestly thought about it that way. Or sometimes they'll hear from somebody that they think is just untouchable, unstoppable. Mm -hmm. Like you couldn't beat them with a baseball bat. That's how powerful they are.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And they're just like everybody else. Yeah. And it's important to talk about that.
1: The connection is is important. and going back to the question you asked me earlier about uh, one of the you know things that's important to me in on my social media and it being the connection in the community, 16 million women worldwide have endometriosis. 16 million. You wouldn't believe the amount of messages I get when I post anything endometriosis related and that's why I post it. I post it. I'm like, Oh, I'm having a bad day. I can't move my body today. And it's not the like, Oh, woe was me? Okay. A little bit, <laughs> but, but it's about like, you know, I, women are like, Oh, I have endometriosis too. I never thought of using the stair mill when I can't run. You know or I how do you manage? And oh, I've never thought of it that way, or I do this and we it's this like community and this bonding with these women that we're like, we are suffering from this, but we're also finding ways of living with it and continuing our lives and it not defining us.
0: And I like that take on the stair mill because it reminds me of I have a client that I did some sessions with and then he went and snowboarded. And he tore his Achilles. Mm.
1: Oh, gosh. And it was
0: just like right, right at the start that he was like, all right, I'm going to hone it in. We're turning 40. I'm going to get super fit. And I was like giving him the tools. I was like, okay, this is what you do. I went and I ta- taught him how to breathe. I taught him a cool <laughs> trick to alleviate the stress in his neck because mm-hmm. he's an accountant. Lots of stress. Yeah. And then, yeah, he just wrecked himself. He's going to be have a cast on his foot for I think it's like two or three months. Yeah. And so thinking about what he could train and like his, his wife was talking to me and she was like, well, what, what, what should he do? And I was like, well, don't overthink it. Yeah. His, his Achilles is torn. Nothing else is torn. Yeah. So like sit on a chair, do like upper body stuff. Mm-hmm. There's, there's tons of like banded accessory work. Mm-hmm. Just crush it. Yeah. Just rock it every day. Do that stuff. Cause you can train that stuff. Yeah. And people, people think of what they can't do, and then they forget about what they can do. Agreed. And a, a cool thing, I'm just packing this podcast with shout-outs. Because at one point, um, I had seen something on Instagram stories, and it was Amber and Jesse Capina went through a whole day, yeah. and they said that everything that they did in that day, instead of saying, I have to, mm-hmm. I get to. And it, it seems like such a, like, cliche thing to say until you actually, like, say it. Mm-hmm. Like, I woke up this morning and I kind of looked at my calendar and I was like, you know, I wish I had maybe a few more more clients today. I, I have to, like, find something to do. And then I thought about it. I was like, no, no. Like, what I'm doing for work, I love it. Mm-hmm. I get to wake up and I get to go to spin class just for me because mm-hmm. I used to instruct them. And mm-hmm. so... Now I just go because I recognize that it's something that fills my cup.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: I get to see these people that mm-hmm. I enjoy seeing. Yeah. And then I get to find something that I like doing. Yeah, And it's just such a, a good way to look at things. Mm-hmm. Because we, we all have this array of things that we get to do. Mm-hmm. Because life is short. Not everybody gets like, that next day kind of thing. That's just yep. the, the absolute brutal truth. Yeah. But yeah, all about mindset. We're just like, we checked off so many boxes in this episode.
1: (laughs) I literally wrote like last week something about the like, I get to the like, you know, right now my busy, my life is like really busy and I could complain about not getting time to do this, but you know, instead, I, I get to, I, I'm thankful and grateful that I get to, you know, teach yoga and be a marketing person and be a mom and be a business owner. Like, I get to do all of the things I want to do. Yeah. And, like, that's amazing. There are some women who are just, I wish I could be a business owner. I wish I could be a yoga teacher. And I just get to wake up every bloody day and be them. That's awesome.
0: Darn right. (laughs) You can't see. I just poked my fist in the air.
1: (laughs) Yeah, cool. So now
0: we're going to go to our very last question. And Mm -hmm. this is something that I ask everybody. It's really cool to see all the answers. After a while, I like put it together and put some music in the background. It looks really badass. Okay. But the question is, if you're going to give one piece of advice on how to authentically live your life to the fullest, what would it be?
1: Mm, Ask yourself why. Everything. Ask yourself why, why. Why do you feel it's necessary to do these things, whether it's something you want to do or don't want to do? Because as soon as you understand the why, and it's even if it's okay if you're doing something that is not something you want to do, as long as your why is there, you're like, I do this thing that I hate to do, because it's important to me that this person has what they need or I take care of this person but as soon as you're you know in something and your why is like I don't even know why like I I do it because I'm supposed to like that's not an answer that's not a why and, and as soon as we constantly do the like why 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 we start to A, find out what's important to us and B, what's not important to us. And then we can set those boundaries and live the way we want to live. That's, you know, why do I go to work every bloody day for a paycheck? Okay. Well, is there another way you can get a paycheck? Well, yeah. Well, why not do that? Right? Like, I mean, it sounds so simple and it's of course harder than that, but like, Why? Just ask why. And you would believe the things you're like, shit, why do I do that? Oh, because I've been conditioned my whole life or I was told that's the way it is. Like, that's not a good reason.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. Completely agree. This has been a great episode. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) I
1: think so, too. Yeah. Well,
0: thanks for joining me and I will hopefully see you around sometime in the future.
1: Absolutely.